This is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Larder Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new, used, or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric carts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. The easiest thing in the world for a girl to do is to get picked up. That's why if you're on the move, the highway's the only way to go. <laughs> as sure as there are men in the world, I know my ticket to anywhere is going to be along soon. It's easy. All you need is a decent pair of legs, a quick thumb, and a whole lot of right answers. Okay, baby, hop in. I wonder where he's going. Or maybe I'll only go part way. And maybe I'll have to go all the way. the best rear engine field dragsters in the country try to push their brute machines into the magic five-second elapsed time barrier. From Michigan, Tim Arnold's fierce hallucination fueler. From Ohio, John Hilton's motion maker rear engine field dragster. From LaGrange, Illinois, it's Gary Dye's LaGrange Dodge dragster. From Detroit, see John McNew's savage fueler rampage. From Chicago, John Cinebaldi's super fat 230 mile per hour scarlet fever. Plus from Missouri, the tough team of Hearst and Pryor. Plus over 100 entries compete for the great pro stock and run tough eliminator cash Awards. Smoking U.S. 30 Drag Strip is located south of Gary, two miles east of Interstate 65 on Highway U.S. 30. 15 and under free with age ID. Spectator admission only $3. Eight trackside, 1.30 Sunday for all the excitement and enjoyment of the Wild Field Dragster Competition. Sunday! 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 Sunday, 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 Sunday. At Smoking U.S. 30 Drag Strip with a great one. Run! 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 run, run. 
this is Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your show host, Robert. Hey, run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com. And check us out live here in the studio in downtown Sparkling. Actually, it's nasty, rainy, and there's hail in the forecast, Clearwater. But anyway, run to our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Check us out there. If you've missed any of our past shows, go to our podcast, and you can see all our past shows. And then go over to Facebook and give us a big like us on Facebook. Ah, yes. And the always requested radio show giveaways. You know what? I actually have that covered. I have a few radio show giveaways. Cedric, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Hey, uh, you know, now keep in mind now, you know, radio show giveaways go to the new callers now, you know. Right. We're not the ones that, are, that got us on speed dial. Boy, we got a bunch of those guys, don't yes, we? Yes, we have lots of speed <laughs> dial callers. Anyway, yes, let's see. What do I have? Yeah, a few weeks ago, I was in Monterey, and uh, I think I have an extra BMW of Monterey license plate frame, or Mercedes-Benz of Monterey, and or a Nostalgic Radio and Cars decal. So if you're the ninth or 11th caller, give us a call here at the studio, 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. Or if you're slightly out of our area code, or let's I guess you could say our county, give us a call here at toll number, which is 866-826-1340. 866-826-1340. You can get yourself a BMW license plate frame from Monterey BMW in the Monterey Peninsula in the town of Monterey, California. How about that? Anyway, an amazing event, amazing event. Speaking of amazing events, last weekend, this past weekend rather, was a great weekend. You heard me talk about it last week. And uh, they had the Mustang Club of America had a grand national event at Orlando at the Disney World Speedway. And what an amazing turnout. You know what? There was just a ton of cars, a lot of late model cars, a lot of late model Mustangs. But there was a number of vintage cars. There were seven 68 Shelbys, two 69 Shelbys, one 67 Shelby, four Boss 429s, my favorite Mustang, uh, three, maybe more than that, but three that I saw, Boss 302s rolling around there, 70s. 169 Boss 302. Countless vintage 65 through 70 Mustang. There was four 66 Hertz cars. 165 GT350. Just a really, really cool event. And uh, thanks to uh, Miss Pat at uh, the Mustang Club of Lakeland. I think it's called the Imperial Mustang Club of Lakeland or Polk County. She did an excellent job. And then also at the Coronado Springs Hotel was the... Uh, Dream Car Weekend, and that event actually turned out very, very, very good. It was a great show, a lot of cars, a lot of people I know, believe it or not. I mean, there was a lot of people that show up at, uh, you know, from the, from from Florida. There was a lot of people from our area. There was a lot of people that show up at the Old Town event in uh, in uh, Orlando, uh, in Kissimmee there. There was a bunch of cars that I usually see over at Daytona, the uh, Turkey Rod Run. Uh, there were a few cars from Georgia that I've seen around before at some of the events. So it really was kind of a... Cool event, a good cross-section of cars. Street rods, hot rod, muscle cars, classics, customs, resto mods, even a few sports cars that were there. Uh, I took a few pictures of them. I was surprised to see some of those cars there. But the Dream Cars Weekend Car Show was kind of open to everybody, whereas the Mustang Show, the MCA Show in Orlando, was primarily Mustangs and Fords, Shelbys, and Bosses. You know, just really, really cool. And, of course, our friends from National Parts Depot were there. Uh, a couple other vendors that I know were there. And then, of course, Steve Celine made an appearance. He was there actually showing off his new George Fulmer edition 1969 Mustang, the black and red one. Beautiful, beautiful car. Number 16, which is when George Fulmer drove in the uh, 1969 Trans M Series. And he's got a 2013, I guess, uh, version of the car. Pretty well hopped up. Nice looking car. Very tastefully done. So Steve was there signing autographs and showing off his new Mustang. Donald Farr was there from Mustang Monthly. He uh, was out there signing his autographs because he did a number of books, and he's probably the most authoritative individual on the planet on 1969 and 1970 Trans Am Boss 302s and Boss 302 Mustangs. So that was pretty cool. So really, really, really good show. Weather was a little on the, I'll say, warm and toasty side. It was slightly hot, slightly humid, but nevertheless, we all survived. Although at the Coronado Springs Hotel, 
a lot of the events were indoors. They had uh, Pete Geisler from Orlando Mustang, my real good friend. He was there, and uh, his uh, they had a display in the convention center. So there was a lot of lot of uh, vendors in there. It was good. It was nice because you could run inside and cool off a little bit, and then run back out in the parking lot and check out all the cool cars. At the Disney World event at the Speed World, where the Mustang Club of America event was, you pretty much had to. Uh, Find a tent, or you could duck into the. Uh, I don't want. I don't know if you want to call it a clubhouse, but they actually have kind of like a, a building um, sales office, I guess you would call it, with full restroom facilities, which is where they um, were offering rides to people. If you wanted to, you could do the participate in the Richard Petty Experience, which was actually kind of cool. So you could actually pay. I think it was like seventy five dollars. It was a discount. Normally it's like one hundred twenty five dollars, but seventy five dollars you could get yourself a ride, like two and a half, three laps around the track in a NASCAR. And they would take you up to about 145 miles an hour safely, okay? Or you could pay, I think it was 250 or 300 bucks, and you could actually drive around the track. But I don't think you could go over like 120 miles an hour. So uh, there was a lot of people that were in line to do that. So there was a good turnout, a lot of people, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of Fords, a lot of Mustangs, and a great event. And you know what? We look forward to it next year. Now, the Mustang Club of America Grand National Event, which is the event of events for Mustangs, is generally... You know, it might be in Florida one year, it might be in California the next year, it might be in Michigan, it might be in Oklahoma. It kind of bounces around, okay? So people basically, um, or I would say clubs, regional clubs, bid for that particular event, as does the Shelby American Club. You know, like this year it was in California. And then sometimes, usually what they do, they go back and forth. They go East Coast, West Coast. Now what's interesting about these, these national events and we're very fortunate to get a few of those in Florida because primarily what happens in Florida is that, you know, when you when you talk to the, the promoters of the event, they always say, well, you know, Florida's a little out of the way. Florida, you can't really do any events in the summertime because it's hot. Well, I'll concur with the, the temperature issue because it is hot and humid here in Florida, and it's probably not the best time to do a car show. And besides, we're on the coast. Or, you know, we're surrounded by water. So, you know, a lot of guys are in the boats. So they're out fishing and water skiing and, you know, surfing and snorkeling and scuba diving and, and more fishing and more boating and so on and so on and so on. So, you know, you, the cars get parked in the garage, rather. But nonetheless, it's weird because when you talk to the guys up north, they say, well, you know, Florida's a long way to go. But yet you'll have a guy that will trek from New York to California or from Maine to Texas or from Georgia to Washington to participate in events. But if you say Florida, we're kind of like that little piece of, you know, that little splinter that's kind of hanging off a piece of wood or something like that, dangling down at the bottom of the the United States there, and it's just like a lot of guys just don't want to come down here and, and uh, you know, have events. So we're working on that. We're trying to get more events down this way, and that's why we were real excited that uh, Mustang Club of America and, of course, the lovely Miss Tara Bush from uh, Dream Cars Weekend was able to put together a show. Now, she had a really good show. She was really excited. She got a lot of feedback, and there was uh, 400 and, close to 400 and some odd cars. So for the first time out of the box, that was a pretty good show. At any rate... Hey, Cedric, we got anything in the jukebox tonight that's uh, kind of retro, kind of car, you know, kind of, you know, some neat early 60s type music? We've, because we've got, we've got some surf music. Okay, good. Let's go and play some. Actually, it was called hot rod music back in the day, too. So surf, surf what was the word I was looking for? Surf, uh, surf rod, surf something. I'll, it'll, it'll come to me here shortly. But anyway, so, uh, but some of this early hot rod music out of the 60s was really, really cool. So, surfadelic, that's it. Surfadelic, uh, surf rock. Cool stuff. It's all slowly coming back to me now. At any rate, let's go ahead and fire that song up. Drop the needle in the groove a little bit. And stick around. We have an amazing guest on our show tonight. An amazing, fascinating, legendary drag racer coming live. He'll be here with us in about uh, 10 minutes. So stick around. We're looking forward to this great interview with a legend in drag racing. Now, this song is by the Ripcords. I think it's called... uh, uh, no, what's it called? Four speed. No, what's big, it? big Wednesday. Big Wednesday. Well, yeah, actually, Big Wednesday. Hey, it is Big Wednesday here. The night that our show airs every Wednesday is a Big Wednesday right here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Your Pizza Shop, located at 1200 8th Avenue Southwest in Largo, offers a great selection of personalized pizzas, pastas, and calzones, as well as delicious wings, subs, salads, and tasty desserts. Enjoy the relaxing atmosphere and scenic view overlooking Pinecrest Golf Course. Remember, for the finest pizza anywhere, takeout, delivery, or catering, call 581-1101. That's 581-1101. Or order online at yourpizzashop.com. Hi, this is John Force, and you're listening, listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You do it better than me. You do. I it. Don't know. <laughs> I, I, that's almost a good promo right there, just in itself. I'm John Force, and uh, you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. All right, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't you just love that sound? All you guys that have been, uh, like myself, hanging around around racetracks since we were kids, you know, that's a familiar sound right there. You know, you're standing there, and some guy goes loping past you in a big badass, uh, you know, big block Ford, a big block Chevrolet, or big block Mopar, or something of that nature. But anyway, hey, let's see what's going on the end of the month, end of the month. This month's Superboat Race is right here in downtown Clearwater. Yes, sirree. It's also Blast Friday, so thanks to our friends over there, Bobby Rossi and those guys over at uh, Ruth Hackard Hall. I'm not sure who the band is, but uh, I'll find out. I'll announce it on the next week's show. But anyway, so Blast Friday will be taking place. Superboats are going to be in town Friday night, so they're going to actually have a small little parade. Then they're going to have a band playing there. And then, of course, all the boats will be down at the bottom of the hill there at Coachman Park for everybody to kind of wander around and do a little meet and greet with all the boat race car, race car, boat race drivers and uh, boat crew and just get to look at some of these bad, killer, killer boats. So our friends from uh, Geico, they'll be there with the uh, Miss Geico boat. And uh, probably it'll clean house again. Although I think last year she had mechanical failure, so she didn't do too well. But the year before she kicked butt, and the first time she was here, she kicked butt. So, or there was one year she wasn't here because what happens is sometimes they run simultaneous races for different groups, different racing organizations. And uh, so they, if there's a scheduling conflict, they may not all be able to make it here because they might have to be up in New York or Michigan or Maine or someplace like that, you know, to run some of the events over there. So it's kind of hard to get down here in two days. They got an event going on. But nonetheless, so that should be a lot of fun. Let's see, this past weekend, what else happened? Oh, yeah, up in uh, Auburn, Indiana, they had a huge, the Auburn auction there, Auctions of America. Their event went on. And of course, if you've ever been to Auburn, it's a really, really, really cool event because what takes place up there is they actually have the museum where the Duesenbergs and Auburns and Cords were made. So they have a special parade up there. They've got the Auburn, it's like a three, four day event where they've got you know the car shows, they've got uh, swap meets, they've got the auctions, they've got parades, the museums open. It's just really, really, really just inundated with car people. So it's it's one of those events that you have to participate in. It's a great event. I don't get to it all the time. I've been there a number of times, and I really like it when I do get a chance to get up there. Nonetheless, that is a great event. Let's see, we got uh, Sunday. There's nothing that we did here. Uh, my buddy Hank and I decided to run over to Webster because they had a swap meet. Remember, every first Sunday of the month in Webster or Sumter County Fairgrounds is the swap meet. So there was a lot of cool stuff there. Matter of fact, there was a ton of stuff there I would have loved to have bought, but I only went there with a small piece of change just to buy a few things I needed for some of the cars that I'm working on. So uh, any rate, let's see. What else? Oh, a big shout out to my buddy Dougie. I got my stunning poster. Actually, my poster. My bill. My, not my billboard. What is this thing called? Oh, my banner. <laughs> My banner, yes, 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 yes. So if you're watching this on the video, you can see my great banner up here, the Nostalgic Radio and Cars banner with the mighty, the most outstanding and just fabulous looking 1957 Thunderbird Gasser. Just a cool piece. And uh, so if 
If you guys want a banner made for your business or signs made, give my friend Doug at the sign shop a call. Yes, sir. He's down there in Madeira Beach. His number is 727-392-4852. That's 727-392-4852. Dougie does a great job. So, oh yeah, also a big shout out to my friends over at the Rib Shack Barbecue. It's Barbecue Wednesday, and they've got the best barbecue and the best barbecue sauce. Check them out, the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 501-9090. That's 501-9090. Great stuff. Anyway, let me see, what else we got going on? Oh, by the way, if you guys need appraisal, I just had a guy call me up here not too long ago, but somebody called and left a message, and there's a gentleman that's got two vintage 19. 19- 1960s style slingshots. Now, slingshots are early dragsters. Those are front engine, front engine. I don't want to say short wheelbase, but I mean the wheelbase is varies on those. But the early 60s, under 100 inches long, front engine dragsters. So I'm really excited if I can get that job to appraise those cars because that'd be really really neat. You know, those kind of deals are cool because it involves a lot of time research, and you know you find out a lot of history, and then just one thing leads to another. But you know. Those are the cars that kind of, uh, that's, it's, it's history. You know, that's where this, this whole racing sport that we've got today, this modern conglomerate, just huge big business of cars, which is over commercialized actually nowadays, started. You know, back in the old days, basically the guys took their little, uh, junk that they found in a junkyard, some little chassis, added a piece here, added a piece there, went out, ran it down the quarter mile. You know, they might have ran 15, 16s, you know. Because they were extremely light, those things didn't even weigh but a thousand pounds, you know. But they might have put a small block Chevrolet or a flathead or a straight six in it, or in some cases, some little foreign, you know, motor in it. And uh, you know, they bring it back home and they wrench on it, or they do it at the drag strip. But they were all kind of like, you know, shade tree mechanics and guys that just kind of whip stuff together. So you know, it wasn't like there was any science to it. And it, what was really cool about it, it was racing was in its infancy. So you know, there was really guys were innovative there was a lot of technology there was a lot of creativity there was uh, a lot of trial and error there was a camaraderie and the guys work back and forth here try this i've done this you've done that does this work can i try this you know we're talking about tire tire compounds wheels wheel whisk chassis suspensions rear ends uh steering brakes you know uh different composition materials you know aerospace was a big deal back in those days so you know if you got something that was made out of titanium and you put it in your car and you saved yourself a pound or two it was a it was a big deal keep in mind in drag racing every hundred pounds that you knock off your car equates to a tenth of a second now that's not a lot and when you think of it in street terms but when you're talking quarter mile you know if a guy's running down there and he's running let's say on a 15 second index and you can beat him and you're running 1490s uh, you know, and you're running on, let's say, let's just say your index is a 1480. So, you know, if you go below 1480, you broke out. If you're above 1480, you're fine. So you can run 1481 or 1480 and a half. So, you know, these guys were doing everything they can to shave, you know, a tenth of a second. So it's kind of like a car length. If you take a, when you're drag racing, a car length down at the end of the quarter mile is equivalent to a tenth of a second. So, you know, if a guy beats you by a car length, he beats you by a tenth of a second. And that mattered in drag racing. On street racing, it's a little different story. And I did a lot of street racing back in the days, and I'm not ashamed of it. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, But anyway, the gentleman that we got coming on the show here in a little bit has done this professionally. He started out like a lot of us, you know, little street racers, you know, wrenching on some old car and something he put together with junkyard parts. So uh, he can tell us some real good stories because he started in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I think he quit in the 90s. Still around, still very active. And now they've made a movie about him. And his arch rival, who has also been on our show. So uh, we're going to go ahead and throw something on the. Uh, we're going to go to a commercial break. We're going to throw something on the on the turntable here. And it's a classic. A, a classic. Okay. Well, wait. Beach let's Boys. Get, Beach Boys. But let's go to our. Let's go to take a commercial break here real quick. Let's get our guest in the line, and then we will do our music and yeah. our little play, and then our interview. All right. All right. We'll be right back. Stick around. This is Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72 plus another nine-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. 
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my good friend William Helfrich. He's a lawyer, and a darn good one at that. He specializes in medical malpractice, social security issues, and probate. His credentials are exceptional. He is a former JAG, yes, a military lawyer, sworn to uphold the law to the highest ethical standards. For over 20 years, he was an attorney for the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. Give Bill a call at 727-831-5312. That's 727-831-5312. Let William Helfrich help you make informed legal choices. your specialty. You gotta think big to make it big. I win every damn race I line up for. You got a gift. That's not enough. You need business sense. How are we gonna make some serious money at this? You gotta work together with me on that, John. Well, you and me like a team? You versus me, like always, except this time we take it on tour. The mongoose and the snake. But a snake and mongoose, not the other way around. Whew. Keep dreaming, brother. Mongoose and snake. Don, it's pretty catchy. Tom is always coming up with a way to make some money. What you got there, Joey? Hot cars? Hot wheels, Dad. Pretty cool, huh? Mattel makes a lot of money selling these toy cars. How can we all work together? You put these cartoon characters on the cars, and you watch the kids go nuts. Brother, we're about to become a team. The team. We'll put this support right on the map. I got three kids in the house. What I don't have is a husband. You watch your man when keep him out of trouble. You don't think all this fooling around interferes with the way you race? You're a loser. Races, your wife, kid. You afraid to give Lynn that baby she's always wanted? So I don't want to have kids with anyone I thought of. So what? We are getting everything we always wanted. This is your dream, not mine. Well, you're more important to me than anything in the whole world. In the far lane, Jim Nickel. In the near lane, Don Prudhomme. I'm done racing. Snake Prudhomme says he is done drag racing. You and me, we are drag racers, man. Time to get back behind the wheel, brother. 100,000 people are ready for the finals of the granddaddy of all drag races, the U.S. Nationals. I'm going to whip your ass today. Hey, Tommy. Tom the Mongoose McEwen against his longtime friend and nemesis, Don the Snake Prudhomme. He's faster, Snake or Mongoose? Snake. You paid those kids to say that. Hey, y'all, what do you get when you cross Suzanne Summers and Goldie Hawn? You get Linda Vaughn. And I'm listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Why don't you? 
Hi, this is Dave McClellan, the voice of NHRA. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. Thanks, Dave. We are listening, and you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is the legendary drag racer, Tom the Mongoose McEwen. Tom, are you there? I'm here, buddy. How are you doing? Pretty good. Welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, thanks for hanging out with us for a while here. Well, thanks for having us, man. Your show's great. Thank you very much. So, tell us how it all began, how you, the mongoose, got involved with cars. Well, I used to have horses when I was a kid, and when I got to be 16, I got a driver's license, and I took my mother out to, my mother's car out to Santa Ana Drag Strip, and uh, that was in 1953, which is now the Orange County John Wayne Airport, and started there, and Started driving cars and all different speeds, and over the years built, worked my way up to bigger classes, and uh, just kept going till I got into dragsters and stuff, and uh, worked during the week, raced on the weekends, and I wanted to, you know, try to figure out some way to get more money to get better stuff, and I fell upon the idea of the uh, after Ed Donovan nicknamed Perdome and I. Mongoose and the Snake, you know, we got that j- j- Jungle Book, Kipling's Jungle Book, Ricky Ticky Tavy, the Mongoose and the Snake idea, so we, we put the animals on our helmets and cars, and we were match racing in Southern California, and I got an idea about the Mattel Hot Wheel cars, and I went to Mattel with the idea, and they liked it, so I took Prudhomme, and they signed us up, and that's what started the whole thing. Wow, great. You know what? I remember those when I was a kid because I actually had those Hot Wheels when I was a kid, too. So it was pretty cool, really cool. And here you are on my radio show. Amazing. What an honor. Tell us about the early... Well, we... Go ahead. We've all come a long ways, kid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> tell, tell us about the uh, early days. Tell us some of the, uh, the, you know, the trials and tribulations that you went through. Just, you know, like in the early days when you were just running, you know, stock cars and then you ran some gassers for a while before you even got into altered. What were some of the stuff the cars that you built and played with and raced? Well, I started driving, you know, a 53 Oldsmobile, mm-hmm. which ran 70 or 80 miles an hour, and then I worked my way up to different, up through the different cars. And then I had a altered, first altered around 140 miles an hour on gas. And uh, then I got me a, uh, a uh, little 92-inch uh, gas dragster, blown Chrysler in a small class dragster. And I ran that for a while, and then I got a shot at driving the uh, rear black and Prudhomme blown Oldsmobile Gene Adams. And uh, then I kept driving for other people because we didn't have enough money to have our own car. And then uh, drove uh, for Ed Donovan of uh, Donovan Engineering, who's the one that nicknamed us. Then I drove for Lou Bainey with a Yakel car, which is in the movie. And uh, all through, we started having these match races with Prudhomme. And then I got my own cars, and he got he drove for different people and finally got his own car, and uh, just racing each other around the country, and then got into the sponsors looking for money so we could do it, you know, make a living out of it and have enough money, and we lucked out with the Mattel thing, and uh, toured the country for a couple years with that, and then went our separate ways and had different sponsors, but we still had the big rivalry, Mongoose Snake rivalry, which was pretty big, and uh, just kept going until I retired in 92 and he retired in 94. And then they uh, decided to make a movie out of it because they liked the story. And uh, Robin Brody and her husband, Elliot, took a chance on us. And uh, coming out with a movie, I guess, this week, we had a couple premieres. Last week we were in uh, Hollywood at the Grumman's Chinese in Hollywood. It was a big deal. It was pretty fancy. And then we had another one. We had one in uh, Reno at the hot August nights. And we had one in Detroit. And then we went to Indy last weekend to the big nationals and had one there. And Don and I were there signing posters and uh, got home this weekend. And uh, here I am. Wow, that's great. That's super. Matter of fact, I am really excited about it. We've talked about it before on the show. And uh, matter of fact, I sent an email to uh, Samantha because uh, I know the movie's released now. So hopefully it'll be in the Tampa Bay area here pretty soon within the next uh, month or so. So look forward to seeing it. Tell us a little bit yeah, about well, it. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think you'll like it. Uh, the movie is, uh, the more I see it, the more I like it. I think it's not just a guy's movie. I think that uh, women like it because there's a lot of uh, women stuff in there, families, problems, kids, sadness with me losing my son, uh, a lot of hot wheels, noise, horsepower, smoke and fire. I, I think everybody that I've seen so far likes the movie, and I'm hoping you will. 
Well, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Now, tell us a little bit about the movie. How much input did you guys have as far as like what you originally envisioned the movie to be about versus the final product? I mean, is there a lot of deviation there? I mean, there was a lot of, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Did they want a lot of drama in it? Or, you know, did you want more racing? Or tell us a little bit about the, the intricacies of the of the making of the movie. Well, here's what happened. Robin Paradise, or Alan Paradise from San Diego, who's our screenwriter and a book writer, he wrote a book for Mattel, Mongoose Snake Book, and which I don't think he's ever had published yet. He's still going to, I guess. Then he wrote a screenplay off of the book and presented it to Hollywood, and these people saw it and liked the idea and came to Don and I and Alan and signed up to do this thing. And, uh, of course, when it got to Hollywood, Hollywood wanted to change it all around because they didn't, they didn't know anything about racing. They didn't think it was exciting enough. So they wanted me to be the bad father, husband, drunk, pool-playing race car driver and Perdome to be a preacher that raced with a family and went all the time. So he and I, he and I started going to all of the shoots, watching them do this. They only, they only had 24 days to film this whole thing. Really? And, That's uh, quick. We, yeah, we were, well, they we only had so much money. Very expensive to do a movie. Very expensive. Like the first day I went, they had a hundred people there from the unions, you know, working. Mm-hmm. It's very expensive to do this. And so Don and I were there as technical advisors and got a lot of input on it and changed a bunch of stuff around and tried to get it where it was pretty much like it should be. I think it's about, I'd say 85% pure of the story. Okay. And uh, I think that everybody that sees it will will, will like it. I hope I hope they do because I didn't like it for a while, and they kept changing things and adding things, and they got a lot of original old actual footage, and they fixed the color and the sound and changed the music and the this and the that, and the actors that they got really really came out really good. The kid, the Richard Blake that plays me, uh, came and spent some time with me and uh, did a great job. And the guy that played Perdome is on. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, and he's also got a bit part in this new uh, Bachelor, a uh, Butler movie on, t- you know, movies that are out now. Right. And uh, he did a great job, and the girls that played the wives did a great Everybody in it did very well. So there's a lot of name. Fred Dreyer of the L.A. Rams and the Hunter TV series is in there. Right. And uh, the star of uh, Falling Skies, the sci-fi thing that's on TV. Uh-huh. He was on ER for seven or eight years. Now he's the star of that Falling Skies, and there's there's a lot of named people in the movie, so it's it's really good, and uh, I think you'll be really surprised. I think you'll really like it. Ron Caps in there too. You know, the top funny car Ron, driver. Yeah, Ron Caps plays uh, Lou Bainey. Uh huh. He's in there, and uh, Roland Leon, the Hawaiian dragster guy, he's in there, and Alexis DeJoria, who is racing a funny car, she's in there, and uh, Ed McClellan, the announcers, a lot a lot of bit parts in there, a lot of people in there. There, Don and I are even in there, a small. 30-second shot that's pretty funny. <laughs> Little cameos, it's, huh? Yeah, so it, it's funny, and uh, it's, a, it's an hour-and-a-half movie with a lot, a lot of stuff in it. It's got a lot of action, and I think uh, everybody that's seen it so far, and, uh, you know, New York Times, L.A. Times, all the stuff we've seen that's come in from people has been real positive on it, so I hope you like it. Good. Now, let me ask you this. Would it be fair to say that through the, throughout the 60s, the rivalry or competitive competition between you and Perdome was probably the predominant among drag racers? Yeah, I would say starting in the middle 60s, clear until we retired in the 90s, that was the biggest rivalry in the sport of drag racing. You had other ones like Garlitz and Shirley and Coletta and Garamassini's and McCullough and all those people, but I think rivalry-wise, I think the Mongoose Snake thing, because everybody knew it was the the real thing. We didn't mess around. Now, was that, in other words, when you guys were really at it, I mean, you guys were still good friends, too, weren't you? So basically, it was kind of like two boxers. You might be friends outside of the ring, but when you get in the ring, you're there to win. So was that the same, is that the same analogy between you and Don? I would say it's more like brothers. Oh, really? You're not, you're not brothers who grow up together, but they fight. Yeah. And they have problems, and then they get back together, and different, they go different directions. Yeah, we were more like brothers, and sometimes when I'd beat him, he didn't talk to me for a month, and then he'd come back, and... And, uh, you know, because he's very, very aggressive. He wanted to win every race. Of course, I wanted to win, too, but I didn't want to blow the motor up every round just to beat him. I wanted to try to make some money. Then, of course, when we had the big races, I tried real hard. So, But, it's yeah, there's a lot of that competition in there. There's a lot of ego in there. There's a lot of everything in it. But I, I would say that, you know, we've been friends for many, many years and still always will be. And then the, 
the drag racing was just a part of it. Well, you guys, I saw you guys last year at SEMA. They had a special show with uh, you two up there on stage, and it was kind of like a little thing with Dave McClellan and everybody and a lot of the race car guys you know, out of the 60s. So it was pretty cool. And, uh, I mean, you guys seem to get along really, really well. And, and, and i got to admit, I mean, I'm pretty amazed because, truthfully, out of all the racing, it's kind of like there's certain names that you just remember out of the old days. You know, it's kind of like Pernelli Jones and George Fulmer, you know, and it's Don Perdome and Tom McEwen, you know. So you, you have those rivalry, and you guys just basically race door handle to door handle, and, uh, you know, it's legendary. Yeah, I think that's something that's missing today in the auto sports. They don't have the nicknames and some of the personalities. John Force is pretty good personality-wise. He's funny to watch. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they have the animal nicknames like they used to have, you know, with the Ace and the Zookeeper and the Mongoose and the Snake and Jungle Daddy Jim. and Shirley Cha-Cha and all that kind of stuff like you remember. Yeah. But you're right. And they're, you know, back in the day, boy, you know, I, I remember growing up out here in California, I would go to Ascot on Thanksgiving night and watch Parnelli and Foyt and those guys race on the dirt and all that stuff in them in the day. So, we, you know, we kind of grew up with motorsports. And the other thing I can say about drag racing, too, a little bit, and uh, we had Ron, we did an interview with Ron Cap. He'll be on next week. But in drag racing, for the most part, is probably one of the few motorsports that's really true racing because it's pretty much run what you brung. The rest of the sport, GT racing is a little bit different, but, you know, IndyCar, NASCAR, it's pretty much turned into spec racing. So, and what you do is you have drivers. The drivers weren't like you guys. You guys wrenched on the cars. You drove the cars. You understood the cars. You were part of the cars. You know, today it's like the driver is the driver and the car is the car. And, you know, there's, there's no, there, there's no correlation or some to, to some extent. Would you say that's true to some extent? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the drivers don't work on the cars. They just get in and get out of them. Uh, Ron Caps is a very good driver. He can work on them if he has to, but I don't think he likes to because he's driven all kinds of stuff. And, of course, he drove for Perdome. Yeah. And, uh, he's, uh, he's been a real, real, uh, real good one his whole career. He was real, real upset here this last weekend. He was trying to win Indy for the first time because he's won a lot of races and he, he didn't win again. So we'll probably have to wait till next year, but. You know, John Force's cars ran really good, and Robert Height won in that uh, auto club car, and uh, Alan Johnson's Alan Abbey Dragster won, and Edwards won Pro Stock. So they had a big, they, you know, national championship was really, you know, when you want to win, Indy is the one everybody wants to win. Right. And Perdome and I both won Indy, and uh, we're both in the Hall of Fame, and done won a lot of stuff. So it was set world records. The, the difference is between Perdome and I and the, and the modern day guys is the kind of equipment. We drove fuel dragsters that were 92-inch wheelbase with the engine in front. These guys today are driving 300-inch cars with the engine behind them. They just want to go straight. They they have great tracks like NHRA, good pavement lighting. We used to race on terrible tracks with a searchlight and short, no shutoff. And yeah, we really pioneered uh, the whole thing. For brought a lot of safety stuff to the sport of drag racing and had a lot of friends killed and hurt but drag racers learn how to survive and you know drag racers you watch it on tv 45 minutes they'll take an engine completely apart that's 500 degrees put it back together again and be on the start line any other sport they can't even change spark plugs in them so <laughs> drag racers are a real uh, real group of their own nah, no lie there now back in the day okay Outside of Don Perdome, who else was one of your uh, toughest competitors? Because you stayed mostly on the West Coast. You didn't really wander too far east, did you? Well, we didn't go on. He and I didn't go on the road till till really till after we got the uh, the uh, the early days. We did a little bit of racing when we would go match race a little bit. You know, we would travel to uh, Milwaukee or Maryland or Chicago or different places a little bit, but didn't do as much as like when we got the Hot Wheel deal. We were on the road solid match racing, running, everything. And uh, other than that, we were on the West Coast, and the West Coast was like, you know, a hotbed for drag racing with lions and everything mm-hmm. out here. So, uh, yeah, but it, uh, he and I, uh, you know, have kind of come, seen it all and done it all, and uh, and it had, it was been a good ride for us. In the early days when you were still running some of those uh, gassers and alters, did you ever come to Florida for any of your races, or did you pretty much stay out in the West Coast? Before, you know, no, be- no. Go ahead. We didn't come to we I was raised in Florida. I was born in Pensacola. Oh, really? But I didn't live I didn't live there very long and I've lived mostly in California, but uh we didn't go to Florida uh other than the Gator Nationals and t- down there, Gainesville. Yeah, right. And then I ran a few match races uh in uh, Florida a few places, but uh, we pretty much raced everywhere, you know, 
Garland's is from down there, so we would match race him. And then out here, we had to race <clears throat> plenty of tough guys like Ed the Ace McCullough. Caramacini's would come in here from Chicago. Later on, Shirley was running, doing really good in the early days. And then when I had the Hemi Cuda, the kind of the first kind of funny car, we raced Sox and Martin and those kind of people and uh, traveled around every place. So we, we've, you know, I even, I even flew to Australia in 73 to match race down there. And, uh, so we, we've done a lot. The, uh, in the sixties, when you guys are racing the, uh, um, the, the front engine dragsters, um, and I guess they were they were referred to as slingshots. And where did that name slingshot come from? Just because they shot out of the hole real quick? Is that where the name came from? You slingshot yeah. out? Okay. Yeah, probably so. In the shape of the cars, uh-huh. with the, the roll bar gaze and everything. You know, uh, we ran all around. You know, we started out with you know alters and then eight gassers and then all that kind of stuff, and then got into the early dragsters. And then you know when he first started, he was working for Tommy Ivo, and then he got his own car, hooked up with Zuchel and those guys. Then he drove the Greer Black at Perdome car, which was practically unbeaten, and then got his own stuff. And I drove for a lot, you know, all kinds of different people coming up till we could afford to get our own car. So it's a, it, you know, a lot of it's in the movie. Mm-hmm. When what, what do you think made Don so quick? Was it just his reaction time? Was he just really fast off the line? Is that what his big thing was? I. He never proved to me he was fast off the line racing me, but I guess <laughs> if you ask him, if you ask him, that's what they tell you. That's how he got his his name from the fast striking. I okay. thought he got his name from being a you know six foot tall, hundred and fifty pound skinny kid. But uh, uh, no, Don's always been one of the top drivers and very aggressive, good, good, and he also a good engine man, good working on the car. He's very good about tuning and stuff. So he's an all around, all around good, good driver, and. Uh, he and I have had some great races. Well, now, the, the the snakes, one story I read was supposedly some animal ran across the track, and he chased it, and it was evidently something that was real quick. And when he caught it, they said, wow, you're quick like a snake. Is that kind of, there's some truth to that story? Don't know anything about it. I know that there's a, <clears throat> there's a movie, American Nitro movie, that you can buy and shows his racing at Fremont later on when he was already the snake in. He was uh, he caught a rabbit up there one day running across the track. Oh, okay, maybe that's what it was. That, 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 that's in the movie, but uh, you know, I mean, you know, who knows? There's all kinds of stories out there. I mean, he's done well his whole life, so and of course, you know, the... everybody everybody's got their own mongoose snake uh, story. Okay, and of course, the mongoose catches snakes, so you know that's where you name came from because you caught the snake all the time. So that's super. Well, now you know it's said that uh, you know, like when you got the deal with Mattel. And that that really kind of catapulted drag racing onto the big scene, you know, where 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 people just really started saying, "Hey, you know, this is a big deal. This is a big racing event." You know, I mean, prior to that, you know, a lot of people, those of us that were car guys, we knew it, but you kind of really kind of took it to the next level, where it really became a, a commercial success, you know, for advertisers and 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 stuff. Would you say there's some truth to that too? Well, I think so because what we did was. We went from just getting uh, spark plugs and oil from somebody to actually corporate money. Uh, there wasn't enough money in it, and I went to the corporation. I wanted the big money so we could make money and have a lot of nice equipment. And after we came out with the Mattel Hot Wheels set up with the big trucks and the uniforms and the decals, and then we went around to all the other manufacturers and wanted to be on board for the kids with the you know the toys, millions of toys worldwide. And I think a lot of the motorsports, NASCAR. Formula One, everybody. I think a lot of people learn watching us that you could go after corporate money. That uh, and if you did a good job, especially on television, and uh, I think it it helped a lot. I know it helped drag racing. If you hadn't been a drag race driver, what else? What other uh, hobbies or what other interests would have you pursued? Oh man, I don't know. I was I always thought I was a cowboy when I was young. I was raised with horses. Mm-hmm. And I used to ride and, and compete in junior rodeo and stuff. I always like powerful, fast stuff, and so I have no idea where I would have, where I would have ended up. You know, I always like fast stuff, and I got into the cars and kept going faster, faster, faster. And then, luckily, luckily, made a living out of doing something I love. But uh, if I hadn't had drag racer, I have no idea. I, you know, I don't know. I'd have probably been. Brad Pitt's uh, stand-in. <laughs> Brad Pitt's stand-in, okay. Stunt double, there you go. Well, let me ask you this. Now, you know, back in the day when you were drag racing, 
and you started out with the stock cars, and you went to gassers, then you went to altered. You know, some drag racers, you know, like Grumpy and, uh, you know, like the Sox and Martin guys, Bob Glidden, Gap and Roush, they stayed in pro stock, for example. And do so some drivers just stay there because they're, they're comfortable at that speed or that type of racing, but yet you just felt the need that I want to go as fast as I possibly can, so you just worked your way up to the ladder, you know, from the dragsters to top fuel funny cars and so on? Yeah, I mean, it's like making money. How much money? You want to put a limit on how much money you're going to make. To me, when you're going to get into a sport, it's like climbing a ladder, and you want to go from the bottom of the company to the president of the company. And I wanted to drive as fast as I could, so everything I drove was faster and quicker. And that's what I always wanted to do, drive the fastest car up to the top fuel dragsters, which I did. A lot of guys have a comfort that they want to say at a certain thing. A lot of them are look at those fast cars and they're scared of them they don't want nothing to do with the fires or that that kind of thing they wanted to be in a full-bodied car or something but uh you know it just depends on what you like to do some guys are good at tuning certain kinds of cars but uh you know don and i always wanted to uh drive the limit you know go the fastest car out there the quickest and beat everybody what was the scariest moment for you Oh, I would probably say when I had a couple of fires in the car, like one time I was at Bristol, Tennessee, running at night, and down there they have a track, and they've changed it now, but in the old days, if you were in the left lane after you went through the lights, you had to veer over because there were trees in front of you. You had to get over, move over, you know, 50, 60 feet to go around the trees, and we were racing there one night in the left lane and qualifying, and blew the engine up about a thousand feet and it was in a ball of fire and you couldn't see where you were going and I knew I was, I had to turn the wheel because there were trees in front of me and I just automatically did what I thought I was supposed to do and uh, turned out just right and uh, that was a pretty scary moment there for two seconds. In your early days of racing, when you were racing some of the gassers on the alters, did you have a, ever have any close calls at that point in time when you thought, you know what, maybe this is not the right sport for me or just you had no fear? No, I think I was just a dumb kid that didn't get scared much because I came from the horses. Okay. You know, and going down on horses and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I wasn't scared too much. And, you know, the cars didn't go that fast. I had a few times in the earlier things or when the chute didn't come out or that kind of stuff. But not, not too bad. Uh, some of the track conditions that we started racing on were so, in the early days, the safety equipment was so bad and the tracks were bad. And I think the best thing that happened with me to keep me safe because I've never really been hurt is starting out with a stock car 70 miles an hour and then slowly 10, 5, 10, 15 mile an hour segments going faster and faster. And I think you learn how to get out of trouble at okay. a lower speed because these guys now, they got a lot of money and come into the sport and they go out and they go to school and get a driver's license and they get in a top fuel dragster or a funny car and they're running three or four or 500 feet per second and all of a sudden something happens. You don't have time to think what to do. If you haven't automatically, your body doesn't automatically just do it, you're in big trouble. And I think it helped me coming up that way. Okay, so it's kind of like you walk before, you crawl before you walk type deal. I think so. Okay, no, that makes perfectly good sense. Let me ask you this. Worst track you ever raced, best track you ever raced? No, man, I, were, I raced some bad ones. I raced <laughs> tracks that had a, had a river going across the finish line down at the end with pebbles in it and water and if you didn't get to shoot out and get a stop bad you ended up out there in the thing i raced at tracks in kansas one time missouri that down at the end the shutoff area was real short and there was a cliff a 400 foot cliff drop off at the end you had to turn left and if you didn't get make that turn you'd get killed and uh, i've run on tracks with the lighting i went twice i was racing and the lights went out in the middle of the run and you couldn't see where you're going now i've had a lot of they tempted me a lots of times with stuff uh, the best tracks nowadays they got a lot of good ones. Indy is awfully hard to beat. Indianapolis is awfully hard to beat. Uh, we thought Lions was great. In Orange County out here in the early days, you know, when they built those tracks, they were state of the art at the time. Of course, now the tracks are longer, wider, concrete. You know, pretty nice. You know, so there's a lot of nice race tracks now. Well, that's good. That's good that the uh, safety equipment, better tracks, and uh, and of course some good racing. Of course, we miss the nostalgia of it, you know, the old tracks, and it's, uh, it's, uh, but at least we have history and we have some footage of it, and you guys got your movie coming out. Tom, I want to thank you very much for taking some time out to join us here on Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we're just about out of time, but would you be willing to come on again sometime? I got some other questions I want to ask you, and, you know, a half an hour goes by pretty quick. It's kind of like a 1320, you know? 
Yeah, call me anytime. We're getting ready to go to Bakersfield here in the middle of October for the big NHRA museum race. And then I run there in March again. Bakersfield, we run there twice a year. Nostalgias that we like to do. And then we got the world final. There's all kinds of races coming up. And Prudhomme's trying to sell those trucks at the auction, you know, in Scottsdale in January. So oh, yeah, that's right. There's lots of stuff going on. And you, you call me anytime you want. Okay, super. And your movie's coming out. And the name of the movie again is, go ahead and plug your movie real quick, Tom. Well, it should be The Mongoose and Snake. But... He, <laughs> but, but his ego change it to the snake mongoose movie all right hey i want all my listeners all my drag racing fans to go check out the snake mongoose movie it's coming out in full-blown color it's a great story about the legendary rivalry between the mongoose and the snake right tom that's it and have everybody join facebook uh, mongoose racing yeah or they can look up snake mongoose movie on there to find out what's going on well that's super oh yeah before i forget another question Tom, tell us a little bit about the cars that they used during the movie. So how close were they to the original cars that you guys actually raced? Were they recreations? Were some of those cars original cars? Well, most of the cars in the movie that were the Hot Wheel Monster Snake cars were the actual cars. Don had kept a collection of cars all these years, and uh, he rebuilt the two trucks from scratch that were our original trucks. He found them and reframed off them, and they're nicer now than when we had them. So... Most of the stuff in the movie of this make mongoose stuff is actual stuff of the early days. So uh, not re- recreations. It's pretty nice. And then the rear black and Perdome yellow dragster that he actually drove in the film at Bakersfield is the actual car that he had. So uh, it's it's pretty actual, all the cars. What about the sets, the locations where they filmed uh, the actual drag racing and stuff? Was that pretty much on, on uh, some of the original tracks that you guys raced? Now, Taking consideration, some of the tracks are no longer there, like Lions, for example, and some of the other ones. So what did you do? Did you have to kind of recreate the sets kind of the way they looked back in the day? Yeah, we shot uh, in big parking lots, and then we went to Bakersfield, the actual Bakersfield track, and and Famosa, and uh, ran up there. And then they recreated the uh, around the track and make it look like Lions. Mm-hmm. And the special effects were really good, came in and... It made us look like we were at different places because you couldn't go a lot of like you say a lot of the tracks aren't there anymore, and so they made it look like the actual signage and everything. So I think they did a really good job of that. How much input did you and Don have as to far as far as uh, you know uh, anything involved with the set design or the actual you know cars and stuff? Well, we were like technical advisors on the film, and we were at a lot of the shoots. So we were involved in a lot of it. Hollywood got a hold of it, didn't know anything about racing, so we had to kind of help them. And we help them, and we help the actors get in the cars and how they're supposed to dress and do different things, get in and out and everything. So, yeah, I think Don and I had quite a bit of the technical advice that helped it. What about, you never know, they might reissue the uh, Snake Mongoose uh, Hot Wheels toys, too. Well, they've been making them since 1970. Uh-huh. So they still they still make them today. There's, more, there's new ones coming out for Christmas. So every year they still make the Mongoose Snake. Kids still grow up and play with them and... I think the kids are going to really enjoy the ones that I've talked to that saw the movies. They don't know who we are, but they know the cars. So I think they're going to enjoy it. I, it's it's a film for everybody, not just men. It's a woman's thing. It's It's got romance. It's sad. It's funny. The kids love the noise and the power. And and if you're, you know, you're into cars, you'll really like it. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Now, so what is, uh, what is Tom McEwen doing these days? What do you do? I work for Beckett. Uh, media and uh, we do a magazine print magazine and I'm in charge of a drag racer and maximum drive magazines that we have on the newsstand okay I've been doing this for like 17 years and it's uh, kind of keeps me involved with the, the drags and NHRA and the guys that uh, you know that are involved in the thing and it's kind of fun that way and uh, NHRA and then we do a lot of stuff with the NHRA Museum here in uh, California, and then the Garlitz has a big museum in Florida right. where our cars are in both of those, and uh, we we enjoy that. Do you ever get a chance to uh, strap yourself into a car and make a couple passes down the track, uh, you know, at all? No, Don got in his car up at Bakersfield and it fit right in at me. I've uh, gained a pound or two since the day I drove, and I don't <laughs> know if I'd fit that comfortable in there, but I'm sure that I could certainly do it. We did it, you know, for 45 years, and it's something we enjoy doing, but no, I haven't. I retired in '92, and he retired in '94, and it's been a good ride for both of us. Any nostalgia drags, anything like that, or do you get any old hot rods and, and beat around on them? No, we go to the races. At, uh, NHRA has a bunch of nostalgia races. 
Uh, there's one coming up this weekend in uh, Epping, New Hampshire, and they have one in Kentucky, and then there's one coming in the middle of October in Bakersfield that we go to and we enjoy. And then in every March, there's a big race at Bakersfield called the March Meet that I've been going to since 1955 that we go to. So the fans can come out and uh, come see us. Well, that's super. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Be sure and check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com. Like us on Facebook. I want to say special thanks to Tom the Mongoose McEwen for sharing some stories with us about the good old days, the rivalry between him and the snake. Remember, it's Mongoose and the snake. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we'll see you next week. Again, at our regular time, 7 p.m. every Wednesday. I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.